You're listening to Rocks Across the Pond, the curling podcast that goes around the globe looking for the best stories in the world's coolest sport. We have curling news and views for everyone, whether you're playing in your Thursday league or following your favorite teams on tour. Now here are your hosts, Ryan McGee and our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rocks Across the Pond, coming to you from Richmond, Virginia. My name is Ryan McGee, and joining me as always in Southampton, England, is our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Jonathan, we are both in kind of a, a lockdown stage right now, which uh, is kind of fitting because we're here to talk about COVID-19 and curling. Yeah, this is my third lockdown or fourth, if you counted the time I had the quarantine this year. This is my second quarantine, which we're going to have to do until um, until the three of us test negative. So we'll, we're going to do that later this week. But until then, we're acting as if we have the virus because there was an exposure. So until then, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. So today, I guess we're, we're doing another COVID episode, which makes sense because that's all that's happened in the world the last year. So... Um, I think you are the one who reached out to the Danish Curling Federation after seeing a story online. Do you want to explain that? Yeah, so it's been a bit of an underreported story, but I think it's important because of what Curling Canada and the World Curling Federation and the Grand Slam of Curling are going to try to do uh, basically February through May, which is try to run a curling bubble. And the the Danish Curling Federation attempted to run its world championship qualifier, which was uh, just a best of five series for two men's teams, two women's teams over the span of three days. And they barely got halfway through before they had to shut down that qualifier because of a positive COVID test. And as we will learn during our two interviews, um, that the, the, the virus spread, uh, very quickly through the entire field of 16 people at their event. Yeah, and I think I think the thing that's interesting is this was not kind of a slapdash attempt at doing things. Um, as we'll hear, there's a lot of protocols put in place. Uh, we're going to hear from both an athlete and uh, an organizer, and both kind of kind of ran through everything they did, and it's actually very thorough. So it's not not as if they were like not practicing appropriate behavior. There's plenty of testing. Um, but again, it's kind of an interesting cautionary tale for for how bubbles may or may not work. The, the first person you'll hear from is Mads Norgard, and he is the third on team Michael Kraus. And they made the playoffs at last year's Euros, wound up finishing fourth. And then the second voice that you will hear is Henrik Christofferson, and he is the president of the Danish Curling Federation. So let's get to those two interviews and hear what happened during the Danish Curling Federation's World Championship qualifiers. Take us through... What was going on leading up to the event? Did you guys have to? Did you guys have to quarantine going into the playdown? Right. So uh, the amount of money we have in Denmark c- kind of limits us, so we are not able to quarantine completely. So the thing we had to do was we had to provide a negative test, the PCR test, so not the quick ones we have in Denmark. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to provide a negative one of those. And then that's basically it. Um, like for, uh, what the 
curling association like like the man's were of the players. Um, yeah. So you did have to. So so everyone provided a negative a negative yes. test, a negative PCR test, like one of the serious ones, and then you found out on the morning of day two that someone actually tested positive. Right. So everyone, all the players provided a negative test within the week. So during the week up to the weekend, everybody got tested and got a test result answer by the weekend and everybody was negative. Um, So the way we found out actually on Sunday after the game was one of the players mom called up to say that she tested positive. And just after that, the, uh, another player got a test result back from Saturday evening. So it's not until Saturday evening we got a positive mm-hmm. test from anyone. Um, yeah, and a t- uh, one of the players, actually the same player who got the positive test Saturday, she tested negative Thursday and Friday mm-hmm. on the same PCR test, but was negative uh, positive on the Saturday test. Oh, wow. So, and then you said we were talking kind of off air that this kind of spread like wildfire through all the players, right? How yeah. many, you were telling me, how many How many players have tested positive? So from the 16, it's 14 players positive, I guess. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah, <laughs> wow. 14 positive players. Yeah. Wow. So, and I and I mean, it's just from being in close proximity and practicing and playing and being yeah. at at a curling rink, basically, right? Yeah, a curling rink, and I think all the yelling actually, because it is airborne. So, mm-hmm. I think all the yelling you do across the ice, it's probably going to spread a lot. And even though we were playing on opposite sheets, so we weren't playing uh, next to each other, we were playing in on opposite sides of the rink to keep as much the distance to the uh, the women's. Or the women's to us, um, so I think they the organization did a great job at, at providing like the means we had to be like cautious for not getting positive. But yeah, happened anyways. So do, are you? Do you have symptoms, Mads, or are you are you sick, or is it just like a positive test and you're asymptomatic? Well, I was very sick for. Uh, I've just been out of quarantine for the last like two and a half days. Okay. Um, so I was sick from Monday. So Sunday we were sent home. Monday I had the fever, uh, headaches. Um, yeah, really bad for like three or four days. No, three days. Yeah, and then just slight headaches. And now at the moment I don't have my sense of smell, but that's it. And I know that it's impossible, you know, basically based off of you, you guys don't have the the resources that, say, a curling Canada does. So it wasn't possible to do the bubble environment that they're going to try to do uh, in Canada for their championships. But, you know, it, it looked like cases were kind of on the rise in Denmark, at least compared to how it was before in Denmark. You guys have done remarkable so far um, at combating this virus, but it did look like cases were kind of on the rise heading into the event. Was there any discussion to possibly postponing it as the number of cases were rising there in Denmark? So um, first of all, I think the rising of the cases we have in Denmark right now, or it's actually going down again at the moment, but That's good. Up, to, up to the weekend, um, the government... 
uh, said that they uh, recommended most young people from the age of 16 to 25 that they get tested before Christmas. So mm-hmm. a lot of a, a lot of tests was going on at the same time as they were getting more positive answers because more people were going okay. were getting tested. So I think it's not because Denmark were doing worse, but more likely that more people were getting tested, especially more young people who were party and stuff, which they yeah. shouldn't, but they did, uh, which, which is a big problem in Denmark. Like the, some young, young people just go home to another friend's house and still party on, even though they shouldn't. So I think that's why we're getting a lot of positive tests from the young people of Denmark. Um, so we did discuss on our team that it would be nice if we could have postponed the the tournament, but we thought like rather now than January, it wouldn't make a difference if we would still get sick. The only difference would be Christmas wouldn't be around the corner, but do we want to have Christmas or do we want to go to the world championships? (laughs) So... Obviously, you said you just quarantined. I guess that that just completely ruined whatever plans you had for for Christmas. Yes. Uh, I was going to be with my family, but it's just me and my girlfriend at home. Basically on the couch, because the appetite isn't really what you want it to be on Christmas Eve. (laughs) So we didn't eat a lot, but we just, like, uh, we had a nice Zoom call with our families and opened some presents together. We do that Christmas Eve, not Christmas morning. So we did that on Christmas Eve, had some food delivered mostly. I only made, made some of it ourselves. Uh, my sister came in handy and made a lot of, of the food for us. So that was nice. Um, but sadly, Christmas wasn't what it's normally. But yeah, have to adapt. Do you, do you think anything could have been done differently to kind of avoid this happening or just something that was just unavoidable or do you think that there's something that that could have been done to to keep this from happening for your tournament right i think it's it's tough in denmark uh to avoid it completely uh, mm-hmm. i think if you can can make a bubble environment for the players it's possible to uh, to avoid like just now denmark had the uh, european championships in handball for ladies yeah. uh and no cases at all at a huge event like that with a lot, a lot of players. Um, so they did a great job and they had the bubble environment. Everybody was living on their own floor in a hotel and worked out well, I think. Um, the problem is in curling, we're a lot closer. Um, we have to take care of our jobs and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's tough to avoid completely. I think maybe... Because the thing they did at the handball world, no, European Championships, uh, they were tested every second day, I think, with the PCR, the best test mm-hmm. out there at the moment, um, to make sure that there was no cases. And that's including the the volunteers and the organizing committee and the players. Um, but then again, I think you have to look more at the symptoms and not so much as what the tests result is giving you because it it is a fairly new test so there Mm. is the chance of getting a false negative Hmm. um so you have to be careful i think it's like 20 percent chance on the best test out there at the moment to get a false negative 
yeah, so maybe look into like is the players having any symptoms at all? I think it's the most important thing. So what what precautions did the Danish Curling Association take? Because it wasn't like they were just being reckless, right? They it sounded like they had a few. You're talking about playing a sheet apart, and the, you obviously everyone had to be tested. But were there other protocols put in place? Were people playing with masks? Was it two sweepers or one sweeper? Right. So we, basically, the games were running as we would normally. So no masks on the ice. Um, we had to wear a mask going to the sheet. So as soon as we entered the rink, we had to have our masks on until we were on the sheet of ice. Um, also, the changing rooms weren't too big, so we went in there as teams. So we wouldn't mix our teams in the changing room. We only have one for men, one for women. So same changing rooms, but we were only there as a team. And then you wipe off every surface you were on before leaving. Um, also, we, we wouldn't be in the, yeah, in the club room together so only 10 people were allowed in there so only like one one and a half teams would be there between games uh my team for example went home between the games to make sure there like no chance of getting infected from anyone or infect anyone else if we had the symptoms or this disease um which sadly did wasn't enough but it's basically all they could do I think with the the resources the the Danish association has, and so you got through like three. So it was so how far into the event did you guys get before it was canceled? Right. So we only had one, basically one more game on Sunday left, and then if needed, there would be an extra game on Monday uh, evening. Um. So we were like basically, what would you say, like eighty percent through. Uh huh. Um, I guess we were kind of tied. We've played three games. Uh, both the men and the ladies side were a two zero, no two one. So two wins, one loss for the leading team. Um, yeah, so we were close to done and would have liked to finish the tournament, but the smart move was to send everyone home. And um, so your team was playing uh, Tobias Toon's team, or is that... Yes, true. And so who was up? What was the record? Were you guys we were, up? We were up two wins, one loss. Uh, we lost the first game, and then we won two games in a row. That's why it would have been nice to keep playing, because we were on a roll. Like We had high spirits, and we were playing very well uh, after the first game. Didn't go our way. So, yeah, sadly, we had to stop there. And is everyone making a good recovery? Like of all the all the players who um, tested positive, I think it shouldn't be a problem. We're all young, and I don't think we will have any like late, like yeah, what you what do you call them? Long long side, COVID. Yeah, like yeah, side effects and stuff like that from the disease. Besides maybe like smell and taste, but hmm. you don't need that to play. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think we would everybody would be able to play. The only thing is that we haven't been able to practice from like during this time. Um so maybe that will show in the quality of the games. Are you worried about 
any, you know, you, you hear anecdotes about even for young people, kind of the long-term effects uh, of what this disease can, can do to lung function and, and even heart function. Are you guys at all worried about that? Or do you think, you know, we're athletes, we're young, we're, you know, maybe not invincible, but, but close to it? Um, I'm, I'm not really worried myself. I think um, the healthcare system in Denmark is perfect. So uh, I don't think it would, I think it would help out if we have any problems at all. Um, I'm not, I'm not too worried about anything, to be honest. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't, I think it might because I'm, uh, I'm studying to be a physiotherapist. So we have a lot of like, yeah, we have a lot, lot of education uh, going in that way. So I'm not too worried about anything. Um yeah. Having gone through this, what advice would you give to a federation that's, you know, your size that's looking to to pick right. their representative for worlds but doesn't have the budget that a Canada does to do a full bubble? You know, what can they learn about from from what happened with with your with your uh your federation? Right. So, if possible, testing right uh right up to the tournament. So like on if it's during the weekend like on friday test the players like the day before um but that's uh, again a lot of money so i think the way mm -hmm. the danish association did it was okay but the thing is if a player has symptoms but still tested negative i think they should be sent home and then maybe actually consider canceling the tournament for mm -hmm. the time being um mm -hmm. The thing is with curling is that we're playing in an ice rink and the, the yep. COVID-19 loves the cold environment. So I think it's tough to avoid, but you have to make sure you disinfect as much as possible. I, I, yeah. I think the Danish Curling Association did a, did a great job with the tournament. They did everything they could, but somehow the disease still got in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we we had another episode where we interviewed uh, a doctor from who covered the U.S. Club Nationals, and they had a big outbreak there, and they did right. a study. It's the same thing. It just seems like COVID. COVID really likes the curling rink. Basically, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's the perfect environment for it. Sadly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Would have loved to uh, keep playing our regular schedule and seeing the other like the the local players, like the just for fun club level players would have loved to see them on the training night. And because they were still up, we just had a lockdown recently, uh, another lockdown before Christmas, um, which sadly sent us, I think was the 8th of December, I think something like that, um, which sent all the club level players home, but the elite level, not saying I'm an elite player, but on the elite level, uh, we were sent home. We're not sent home. We were able to uh, to keep practicing. I hope you and all your teammates and everyone competing make a good recovery because I know it, it can be tricky sometimes, even if you're not hospitalized. So hopefully everyone uh, gets better and you're able to play again. And uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully there is a world championship this year, and whoever wins gets to gets to kind of compete and do well in that. What prompted Ryan to reach out to the Danish Curling Federation is he saw a post on social media 
saying that your world championship qualifier in late December had to be suspended due to a positive COVID-19 test. So the reason we want to talk with you is that a lot of curling federations now are facing this challenge, right? How do they run their national championships during a pandemic? And so we're curious, first of all, what happened with your with your championship? Yeah, well, it's um, actually a quite uh, short story because we uh, we decided to go with this uh, qualifier because we thought that we needed to give the players, of course, the best time to prepare themselves for going to the Worlds because this World Championship or the next World Championship is, is very important for us um, simply because we know that it could actually qualify us to the Olympics. So, and and curling is a very uh, little uh, uh, sport in Denmark. So it, it's very important for us to actually qualify to the Olympics. So we decided maybe there's a pandemic, maybe we are on lockdown, and but we need to find out who are going to represent us at the world so they could uh, prepare the best. So we we took all necessary measurements to avoid. Um, getting any infections we decided that all players who were going to play a total of 16 players 8 women and 8 men well they should first of all have a negative COVID-19 test before the qualifier that was something that we demanded and they should send the results to the national coach and they all did Nothing to worry about at all. They were all negative and all was feeling fine. There were no problems and, and, and none of the players' relatives, they didn't have symptoms of COVID-19 or anything. So we decided to, to, to go ahead and we played the first um, round on Saturday and the second uh, round also Saturday. With There was a, a pause of about three hours or so. And... Um, and then we all went home happy. It has been a great day. Um, one win for each team. So that was good. And then Sunday, Sunday morning, we also, all everybody went in there. No problem. Everything seemed fine. But then after the third match, Sunday morning, one of the players received information that the player's family had been tested positive for the COVID-19. And while we were talking to, to find out if this player had been in, in the same room, could the player have been infected in any way, then one of the other players came to us and said, well, I took a test yesterday. I just got the result. I'm also positive for COVID-19. So that actually, well, that made the decision quite simple. We had to shut down the event immediately uh, in order to avoid uh, a lot of players getting infected uh, with the virus. and. Um, so we sent them home. First of all, this this uh, team with the two positive uh, tested players, we sent them home. Said, go home, go into isolation, and then we'll find out what is going to happen then. Um, and well, then then I talked to the other teams. I explained to them, well, we have a, a positive case of COVID-19. We hoped this wouldn't happen, but it did. And um, well... That's how it is. That's the situation. So right now, we have to send you home, go home, take a test, go into isolation, take a new test in four days, and then again in six days. That's the Danish 
test strategy. I'm not sure that's the same all over the world, but but at least in Denmark, you should take a test after four days and then after six days uh, again. And we also decided to ask them to actually take a test right away because then we could find out how many people, how many players could potentially be affected with this uh, with the virus. So that's actually what uh, what happened. Um, and then we started to well look into what are we going to do now. Um, we sent, of course, people home. A cleaning uh, crew from from the curling club went in there, uh, cleaned everything, and we of course had to inform um, uh, the board uh, at the association. We had to inform uh, the public. We were streaming all the matches, and we already did prepare for a, a match uh, for streaming that Sunday. So a lot of people were actually sitting, uh, waiting for this stream. Okay. So we needed to to come out and say we are not going to play. Um, because we have this this um, this test, um, and of course we also needed to uh, make sure that the Danish Sports Association that they also were informed. Uh, there's a lot of talk uh, in Denmark at the moment. All sports has been closed except for elite, which some politicians. Uh, thinks is uh, is a very bad idea that elite sports can still continue uh, without spectators, though. But still, um, so we needed to to coordinate with with them uh, in order to to make sure that we didn't get all elite sports in Denmark closed. Uh, this that's kind of really interesting story, and I think there's a, a few kind of questions. So it, it sounds like you were fairly thorough, like you required all the players to have tests, and as soon as you were alerted to a positive test, follow up and isolate. So that's kind of following yeah. standard protocols. Were you, are you able to do like other precautions before the event? Did players have to quarantine for a period of time? Um, and then during the event, did you do anything in terms of cleaning protocols or distancing protocols, like one sweeper or players wearing masks, anything like that? Uh, yes, yes, we did uh, did a lot, do a lot of things, actually. I, and I don't think we actually could have done much more than what we did. Um, it was, uh, as I mentioned, a requirement that they had to, to have these negative COVID-19 tests. And when they arrived to the ice rink, well, they were not allowed to just go in and use the changing rooms. They were reserved at specific um, time gaps. So so only one team were in the cleaning changing room at a time, uh, simply to avoid both teams running into the room and standing too close in there. So there were time slots for when you could use the changing rooms. And we demanded that they should wear face shield, face masks, um, when not playing on the ice, so walking around the the ice rink, is, uh, they should wear this this mask. Um, and we also had hand sanitizer on uh, on on all sheets, um, and they could and was instructed to also clean the handles of the stones, uh, so that you could reduce the risk of uh, of getting infected uh, through the handles at least. Um, so, so there were. We did talk a lot about these precautionary actions, uh, so we could avoid the uh, the infection, uh, and and further we tried to keep people as separate as possible. Um, but when we afterwards, when we have been evaluating it, we, we could see that it's 
it's it's quite difficult actually in a curling match because you know if if one person if one player on a team uh, seems to be infected well then they talk to the skip and the skip is quite close to another skip <laughs> if for a match of two and a half three hours so in that way then you infect the skip on the other team and that skip goes to team meetings with their own team and voila then everybody is infected suddenly um so so we did take a lot of uh, of, of precautionary actions um but unfortunately it seems that that some of the players um did get infected during the qualifier how do the players react when they learned about the positive test were they um surprised were they disappointed um was there any kind of feedback from them well actually the players took it very well um i think i had expected that there would be a lot of questions and hot feelings and people saying that we didn't do this and this and we should have done so and so but they actually took it very well i think they they all knew before we started that this was a risk um so there were no panic no hot feelings there were questions of course not every player had in their mind determined what am i going to do in case i get infected or somebody close to me or on my team gets infected what will i do in that case so of course there were a lot of questions but but everybody accepted that we simply did not have the answers at that time so when we said go home go into isolation we will read reach out to you as soon as we know anything well they accepted it and they went home peacefully and no no problems at all actually so i was actually quite amazed that they took it so well um and some of the players have actually afterwards also said well it's just too bad we did everything we could it's not the association's fault it's not a player's fault it's just we have a virus we did what we could we needed to decide who was going to to represent us at the worlds and it ended this way there's nothing to do about it so that's that's quite positive um however there were some should we call it? i'm not sure i would even call it negative reaction but we talked with some of the players and they said said that if they had been given the option to postpone the qualifier then they would have preferred that we did that and in the association we actually talked about this situation and on forehand we had decided that if anybody should be positive or should there be any concerns that somebody was infected then we would postpone this uh, qualifier but i think right here the communication was not that clear so many players they thought okay this is when the qualifier is going to happen if i'm ready or not so in that way they all showed up they all did the best but but again no hard feelings no 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 panic everything was actually fine um so but we we i think we learned that if we in our minds decide that a qualifier could be postponed then we also need to communicate it very clear so it's crystal clear to every player that if they do not find it 
um, reasonable, let's say that, reasonable to to actually play at the qualifier, then we need to look at a, at, at a postponement of the qualifier. What's going to happen now? Do you plan to com- complete the event at a later date? My understanding is, at least on the men's side, um, like it was it was fairly close. It was two games to one for for one of the teams in a best of five series. So hmm. um, at least one more game is was scheduled, perhaps two. I'm not sure about on the women's side. Um, it's the same, or, actually. It's the same, same? for the oh, women's. Okay, yeah. so so very close, very close competition then, right? And yeah. so are you going to kind of complete it at a later date? And if so, uh, do you plan to do anything differently from the first event? Yeah, we have actually we have uh, reached out to all the players and asked them to 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 talk together uh, to find out what what do they think is the best solution, because we do not want to uh, to to push people who don't want to play for health reasons. We don't want to to actually require them to play if they don't feel safe. So actually, uh, on, they have until Monday actually uh, Monday the eleventh to get back to us. But we do have uh, some different solutions, and and one of the solutions is that we are going to play the rest of the qualifier, um, and if that is going to be the solution, well, then it will be in the beginning of February. Um, but we will do it a bit different. Um, there will still be the same, uh, of course. Now uh, we we could require a new uh, COVID nineteen test. But as far as we have understood, it would be positive for at least most of the players because they have just recently been infected with the virus. So even though they are healthy, well, the test would still show that they were uh, were positive. So, so we have to find out how do we make sure that people are not actually <laughs> infected, that it's just um, they have been infected. So... So that's one of the things. Um, and then we have decided to simply split men and women. So since it's just, it could be just one match for the men and one match for the women who could actually um, decide who is going to represent us, then we will, if this is going to be the solution, then we will play with the men's game first thing on a, a Saturday. And then they will go home and then the women will arrive to the club and then they will play on another sheet, of course, so we can actually get to to clean the stones and we can clean everything between the two games. And then, of course, if if it should end out that we need the fifth game, well, then it will be on, on, on the Sunday, the day after. So, um, so men and women are not going to be mixed. They're not going to be in the ice rink at the same time. So in that way, we're keeping them uh, separate. So uh, what lessons has the Danish Curling Federation learned from this incident? And do you have any advice for other curling NGBs that are planning to run their national championships during the pandemic? What might they do to to kind of mitigate against these kinds of situations? Uh, Yeah, well, First of all, it, it's it's like I, I mentioned before, we need to make it absolutely crystal clear to everyone um, what are the options um, involved here. Could, the, the, could it be postponed? Are they going to lose the match if they don't want to play because of the health risk? Also, so that, that's one thing that is very important, that all players and officials, for that sake, 
know what are the options because it, it does make a lot of uh, of noise let's call it that um when people start talking together mm, are they going to pressure me to play i don't want to play uh, can we do something um so that that is at least one thing and then we found out that before the qualifier actually most of the players who were infected they actually got infected before the qualifier in the week leading up to the qualifier and and then we started investigating we're starting to ask the players well did you feel any symptoms when did you get a test and and so on and we could actually see that some of the players they got the test it was negative but even so they had symptoms they kept on practicing in the club because as they said I'm, I don't have the virus. I do not have COVID-19. I have a negative test to, to prove that. So they said, well, you can still have a negative test, but still actually, in fact, be positive. So if you have the symptoms, you need to stay at home. And, and that is something that we think it is very, very important that all players must understand, and officials, not only players, everybody who is going to have something to do with in our case, the qualifier, they need to understand how important it is that if you have any symptoms at all, no matter what your test says, if you have symptoms, stay away from, from, from the qualifier. Um, so there's some, some communication, at least, we know that we need to, that we need to, to, uh, to work on. And then, of course, you could also talk about, could we do like... Um, a bubble. Could we put all players into a bubble one week prior to the qualifier or or, or any kind of uh, tournament or championship? Um, and that could actually be a very good idea. But why didn't we then do that? That is simply because we are a very little association. The players are not getting any salary for representing us. They have their everyday jobs. They need to earn their money somehow um, so we can't ask them to take vacation from their jobs and just sit around wait for a week to play maybe five matches that that's not possible for us to do that way um, but i think that's maybe something you could do at for instance the worlds or similar large events make the players come one week uh, before and then test, 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 check for fever, fever every day um, and make these tests and keep the players as much as possible apart from each other. Um, it's actually, it's a quite good example actually um, because in December, uh, besides our, our qualifier, which we of course find very interesting, <laughs> beside of that, uh, <clears throat> the European championships in women's handball were actually held in Denmark. And you could say that's a lot of people suddenly put together in, in a sporting arena, but they didn't have any major incidents. And as far as I understand, all these players, they were isolated at the hotels, not allowed to visit other teams, and they didn't eat from the same buffet 
or at the same time at other teams did at the hotels. They had separate uh, transportation with bus um, to the sporting arena and they had the same bus driver every day. And there were some very, very strict rules about players, national coaches and officials close to the players. I think they were tested every day. Um, and they had also every morning their temperature was checked to see if they had fever. And in that way, you could easily find out if, if anybody had some, any symptoms and then that team would be totally isolated. So luckily nothing happened. But you can also only do this if you are in a, a, a large event that has the economy to it. And, and we, we don't have that as a small association. Well, thank thank you for telling us that story. I think it's it's good to hear because um, we know that USA curling is going to be doing a bubble in May, and obviously yeah. Canadian curling is doing a very large bubble, uh, yeah. and obviously WCF has to still figure out how they're going to run their World Championships. So, mm. I think there's some pretty important lessons to be learned from all of this. So, thank you for sharing the Danish curling story. Absolutely, and and I think it's it's also very important for for us officials us or politicians or what we should say it's easy for us to say if you have symptoms then don't play but there is also another side um, for players we need to remember that these players they work very very hard to be at their best when they're going to compete at at a tournament or championship so we can say everything we want to the players don't play if you have symptoms don't play if you feel sick but there's always this little risk that a player would say, well, yes, I feel sick, but I don't feel that sick. So I don't think it's the virus, this COVID-19. So I'm going to play either way because that's, for some players at least, that's all what their world is about. That is curling and play curling. So so, so that's why we, we need to think that even though we communicate clearly and say don't play, we need to, to, to also have some security, um, making sure that they actually don't play. Jonathan, the main takeaway for me is that the, the way that they entered their tournament was very similar to how Curling Canada is going to have athletes enter that initial bubble. And obviously the, the Calgary Curling Bubble is going to be run by... Curling Canada, the World Curling Federation, and the Grand Slam. But at the very beginning, Curling Canada is kind of going to be in, in charge as athletes are entering that bubble for the very first time. And it's very similar to the way the Danish Curling Federation did it, where it's going to be, you know, we recommend that you quarantine, but you have to produce a negative test uh, at least three days prior to the start. So the the beginnings are very similar, and yet you had in a field of just 16 athletes, you had the virus get in and then spread like wildfire through the rest of the field. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, goes back to our earlier episode, right? Where we, we talked about the U S club championships and there was a study done afterwards that we talked about that showed how quickly it spread. And again, here, it sounds like one person had a false negative, which is completely possible. You could get a test that's negative, but you're actually, um, you actually do have the coronavirus and it's not entirely clear what happened after that, but it became, you know, it is clear that like basically most of the athletes competing in that event picked up 
coronavirus. Some had some kind of, you know, fairly significant symptoms. Um, so it, it does show kind of how difficult it's going to be to run these bubbles. Yeah, especially when you don't have the ability to do it the way an NHL or an NBA is able to do it, where they bring all the athletes in and quarantine them for the full 10 days to two weeks before even starting to have athletes mix. You know, they, they, they brought athletes in for those, for those two leagues and quarantined them. And then after that, they kind of considered them to be in the bubble. This is going to be, you know, your, your, the quarantining process isn't being overseen by the governing body. And I think that that's where, you can get into some issues. Uh, the other thing, and I will I will link to our interview with Dr. Paul Luthi. Uh, Dr. Luthi in the show that we did with him, where he was talking about how the virus spread at U.S. Club Nationals, you know, the number one thing, thing he said was you need to wear a mask even when you're playing. And in, from the interviews I've seen, they've kind of been looking at not wearing masks on the ice during the events that they're going to have in Calgary. And I think that what we've learned from what happened with the Danish Curling Federation is that you you cannot do that. You do need to require the masks on the ice during this event, or you risk uh, you risk the potential to have what happened there in Denmark. Yeah, and I think that was one of the points that Hunrik raised. Right, was that um, that the skips, you know, a skip would kind of talk to their player, and the skips yelling, and he said, you know, watching the event, it became clear that even if you're doing a lot of good protocols in place, things like kind of time shifts for the the change rooms and um, you know requiring masks everywhere but on the ice and kind of wiping down the handles and everything else that are in all these protocols that the one thing is that because it's a closed closed kind of circulation location and there is yelling and that, that we know now that the kind of breathing and the, that kind of spreading through the air seems to be one of the primary means of transmission for coronavirus um, that there's very little you can do that, and that masking might actually be the only thing that they didn't do for the athletes. Yeah. And it, it's easy for an organization from a big curling country like the U S or Canada to kind of look down its nose at Denmark and say, Oh, that's just the Danish curling federation. Um, you know, it, it could never happen to us, but I, I really think that you have to take those lessons from what happened there in Denmark. I mean, you look at the you look at the Danish Curling Federation. They have a history of sending athletes to the Olympics um, ever since '98. Between men's and women's, they've had the men miss twice, and the women have been at the Olympics all six times. They they know what they're doing. They're not some rinky dink organization. Do not look down your noses at Dan the Danish Curling Federation. They attempted to run an event to qualify a team for the qualify teams for the world championships and had this happen. And I think that you really have to take what happened in Denmark seriously. If you're the USCA or curling Canada or the world curling federation or the grand slam of curling and really take away some lessons from what happened there in Denmark. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it may, may be a case that this, I think does make a case that maybe we should be kind of delaying rather than canceling because we know that there's vaccines out there. Actually, my my aunt and uncle who are over 80 got vaccinated okay. right before Christmas. So people are actually getting vaccinated now, which is a good sign. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's, uh, you know, the organizers can can think about perhaps uh, delaying rather than canceling now that we, we've got a path out. Um, still probably a few months away, but uh, perhaps rather than rushing things out in February, there's a case to 
you know, delay until the summer and maybe have some summer curling this year because we haven't had curling in over a year rather than trying to rush things out kind of quickly when the virus is still widespread and uh, the vaccine's not widely available yet. And I don't want people to think that we're rooting against curling happening. I mean, that happens every time that the media reports on college football games getting postponed or positive tests in the NFL or, or major league baseball, having teams have to stop playing for over a week. You know, everyone immediately says, Oh, well, you're rooting for them to fail. No, absolutely not. Selfishly. I want to watch curling and not selfishly. I want to see the proof that if you follow protocols, we can stop the spread of the virus and actually do normal things like running a curling event. Like I'm rooting for these things to work so that we have some sort of normalcy. We're not rooting against these events. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's important to be clear. We're not blaming the Danish curling Federation. Like as you, as you heard in both those interviews, they, they did everything they could given the resources they have. Um, obviously curling, curling Canada has a bit more resources, but you know, it's the same problem. It, it really only takes one person to slip through the, the testing bubble and just get a false, a false negative, if you will. And, uh, you know, basically everyone in that venue then is at risk of catching the disease. So it's just, it's just the reality of it. Um, I think we, we know a lot more now than we did a year ago. And it's kind of clear that curling arenas, unfortunately, are, are kind of uh, the perfect place for the virus to spread. Yeah. The, the virus does not care how many resources you have or how many protocols you put in place. If it gets in, it's, it's going to find a way. Thank you for listening to Rocks Across the Pond, a curling podcast. You can find all of our previous episodes and blog posts at rocksacrossthepond.com. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. If you enjoyed listening, the greatest compliment we can receive is when you tell a friend about us. That helps us grow and helps us share our love of this great game. If you have a comment or question, or you just want to talk about curling, you can email us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Curling Podcast. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at Rocks Across the Pond. Thank you again, and we will talk to you real soon.